Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Footballers. I am your host Hunter and today we have Community Team of the Season as well as EFL Team of the Season. I've got the usual crew alongside Matt Lamborn, Steve Stokes and Wise FIFA. Matt, how are you my friend? I'm excited. We're overwhelmed by quality in both of these squads. We're going to talk about them in a whole lot more detail. It's going to be real interesting to hear the thoughts of you guys on that one. Let's get started. Very well. Steve, how are you, my friend? Gutted. Absolutely devastated. Where are Lee Burge and where are Charlie Wyke? In Sunderland, apparently. Still in Sunderland, not in the EFL team of the season. Something tells me you're part of a small community of upset Sunderland fans. Wise, the market expert. This is your day, my friend. How are you? I am good. Registered for the weekend league for the first time in ages. So we're strapping in with the new team of the season content coming out. Ooh, did you say registered for the weekend league? Yeah, I did. I'll say those words again. I registered for the weekend league today. I'm seriously contemplating that as well, you know, actually for the first time in weeks. I'd recommend everybody going to the liquor store or, or the shop, as you say over there, and get you a bottle or two for this weekend because it is going to be ratty and sweaty. I was hanging out in some people's streams earlier before we recorded this podcast, and it is not pretty out there. It is toxic. People are mad. They're sweating, cussing, throwing controllers. But- all for the sake of those red player picks, right? Speaking of these red player picks, we got news yesterday confirming the change in weekend league player picks to community and EFL team of the season cards, which is the whole reason everyone is playing weekend league this week. Matt, have you had a look at this team of the season so far? I have had a little look and I find it quite interesting that people prepare to get on the Uber grind for players like Nick Powell, which, you know, as a Stoke fan, excites me tremendously. And that'll be one that I'll certainly be looking to acquire. And all the thought of a red Stoke player pick is just, yeah, that's just crazy stuff. So I actually messed up though in regards to weekend league. I had a dabble last weekend and then gave up after like five games. So I've got some qualifying to do if I want to get stuck in this weekend. So uh, I seriously misplayed my hand there. Well, you better get busy if you're going to qualify before the end of tonight. Steve, have you had a look at team of the season? Yeah, had a look when it came out. Same as, uh, as we all did. There are some nice cards there. 
certainly amongst the uh, the community team of the season. The one that really, uh, well, I, I'm not sure whether I should mention this now. I think we're going to look into it in more depth further on, aren't we, Hunter? Rather than give it away now. Yep. So what we're going to do this week is I'm going to start with Wise and bring him in here. We're going to start taking picks on these since we're going to have these coming about for the next four or five weeks, I would imagine. We're going to pick one player from each of the new squads that we think is the best player, regardless of price. And we're going to also pick a player who we think is going to be a sleeper, like a value pick. I'm going to bring in Wise. We'll start with community team of the season. Who are you picking? All right. For the best player overall, at first I was thinking Valverde, linkability, everything like that. But I thought for a second longer, and there are so many center midfielders now after the foot birthday promo that have five-star weak foot and at least better skills that I think we'll have to move somewhere else. He's got great stats nonetheless, but I think he'll be a little step behind in game. think that David Alaba will finally be a center back that you could play and not have to worry about playing a wing back instead. I think he's got all the right pieces there and the flexibilities to play anywhere on the pitch if you want him, the versatility with the shooting and the ball playing. I think he's my best pick for being the most useful, the longest. Very well. What about EFL? EFL. I think it's got to hands down be the Buendia. I know. I feel like that's going to be a unanimous decision, but we just peeped his stats a little bit before this and he has surprisingly high defensive stats in stand tackle and defensive awareness, as well as coupling that with 99 aggression which is going to make him feel so good on the ball and in the attacking position or defensive position when he's going to be so responsive with high 80s and at least 90s and all the good dribbling stats as well. Think it Buendia, hands down. Well said. Steve, give me your best players from community and EFL. From community, I'm going to step outside the team that's in packs and go for the SBC card that we've got that's active at the moment. And that would be... Federico Chiesa, the Juventus left mid. He, it looks like a great card. I mean, I've got Franck Ribery playing there out on the left. There is a bit of a dearth of really good uh, left-sided players in Syria. So I think it's going to be popular. The stats are just, yeah, they're nice. It's a card that I'd enjoy using, I think. 97 acceleration and great dribbling stats. 96 agility, 94 dribbling. He's going to be a beast for left stick dribbling for just sort of wriggling past players and just tapping the R2 and and just sprinting past them. 92 stamina as well, which is really important on a card that's got high, high work rates. And yeah, he'll he'll basically tramp up and down that left-hand channel all game long without really uh, showing any sign of fatigue. Don't know exactly what the price is at the moment. Wise, you might have a handle on that, but I would imagine it's it's quite reasonably priced, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely it? think it's reasonable. I probably, what is it? It's an 86 squad. I, I haven't seen if it's in forms required, but 86 and 83... So probably anywhere from the 200 to 400K, given how the market reacts and if the special cards are needed. Not bad at all. Yeah. What about your EFL? EFL player. There are two that stick out, really. I'll go for, because I've used his squad foundations cards, I'll go for Buendia. But I would also give a significant mention to Ricardo Santos. I think that card is going to hold its own in a lot of really good high-rated squads. Um, Only 85 rated on face value, but when you look at the actual stats as a centre-back, that is going to be a pretty OP card, I think. But the, the, the card that I'll pick will be Emi Buendia, the uh, the Norwich City right mid. I've been using his Squad Foundations card for some weeks, really. Um, and I've been moving him inside and playing him at centre mid, where he gets a great job done box to box. Again, like Chiesa, high, high work rates. Uh, four-star skill moves, four-star weak foot. Great for a centre mid. Don't get me wrong, you could play him out wide if you wanted to. I just think that the best use of his stats is probably in the middle. 
Team of the season card takes the standing tackle up to 84 and defensive awareness up to 78. So, you know, it's a, it's a really well-rounded card. Can do pretty much everything. If you were to put a Sentinel on him, I think you'd have one of the best box-to-box centre mids currently in the database, perhaps. Yeah. Steve starting a new uh, a new trend instead of playing fullbacks at centre half, starting playing wide midfielders at centre mid. I'm just, I want my own jingle, the Steve meta. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> we already give that to our next speaker, Matt. But regardless, man, putting a bunch of those left mids, right mids in the midfield. Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna get it's a lot of hate. Future. It's the future. Speaking of the Matt meta, who are you picking, Matt? Okay. Community first. So, community. Um, I'm gonna go a, a raw combination of of heavyweight stockiness, pace, and power with Odson Edward from oh, Celtic. The great pick. It's a card that had a really good inform a little bit earlier in the game cycle, uh, and this is just one that you use to bulldoze your way through defences. The, the the combination of the pace and the power with the added weight to the uh, the body type and everything will just ensure that once you get the guy running, he's practically unstoppable, and he's excellent value for money. He's already going for less than 80k on both platforms, so this is a highly attainable card, and you can just imagine the combinations of squad, squad building you can put together with this with the people who who uh, did Ryan Kent and already have a Tavernier and maybe they're shooting for a gold and if they don't have the earlier on in form. Uh, I think this links into a lot of existing players and then your potential French hybrids and whatnot. So I think that's going to be a really popular card. That'd be spicy to have him in like a, a St. Maximum version up top. I think that'd be a spicy combo. Sorry, Steve, bringing up the Crosstown Rive. Very well. What about EFL? Who are you going with? Yeah, so slightly out of left field choice. This is one that I used earlier in the year of a silver in form and it was absolutely dreadful, but I'm willing to give him another shot after after a very tasty team of the season upgrade, and this is Matt Jay from Exeter City. Absolutely minute player, only five foot seven tall, that has almost maxed out pace and completely maxed out agility and balance before applying any chemistry cards. This is going to be the card for the type of player who likes his Dries Merton type, but in absence of him not having a particularly amazing card this year. I think this one is going to go under the radar quite significantly. It's already 20-odd K, so everyone can pick this one up either very easily in a pack or just with your coins. And obviously just links to all the so many good English players that are already out there. Certainly not going to be too many to link into in League 2, other than a couple of silver informs. But uh, those English hybrids will be tasty this year, so uh, keep an eye out for that one. It's definitely one I'm going to try and pick up. I can't believe that you're not going for your boy Nick Powell from Stoke City. Yeah, you missed your st- your Stoke boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it'd be more interesting to talk about someone else other than uh, my partisan fanship. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be getting Powell. But uh, he's SBC objective, is he? Because he's not on the, the no. List he's a um, gameplay objective. Assist ten oh. goals with championship yeah. midfielders, scoring four okay. separate squad battles matches. So I need to buy really Matt J or, or someone <laughs> similar to completely objective. No, I to think you need out, championship so. players, unfortunately, Matt. Well, I think it's entirely in squad battles, actually, looking through it. Yeah, it is. So oh, really right. achievable. Oh, well, you can't buy Nepal then. So Matt J remains the choice for people on the market. And uh, you can link him to, to Nepal as and when. That'll be great. What do we think about the Korea? card in objectives as well chaps I'm a, I'm a little bit I mean I I did the um what is his name Saul SBC so he's a little bit redundant for my team yes yeah, is, is this Kray also a right mid yeah he's also a right mid Argentinian obviously Atleti. that's what I'm saying I don't understand man where's that EA where's that EA content community yep. discussion there why we put in <laughs> same players in the same position you only can no, join up thinking. yeah uh, I don't get yeah they get a good link but man the 
they're really just playing into Steve's new meta. I, you know what? Actually, well, I'm not going to give Steve the satisfaction of calling it Steve's new meta. The footballer's new meta of putting the wide <laughs> midfielders in the central positions, man. One card that you guys didn't mention that I think is a great value pick from his current price point, even at 375000 on PlayStation, is uh, Mukieli. He's oh yeah, he's 6'2". His work rate's medium-medium. That's not what you really want at center back, but it's better than having a high attacking medium defensive. But I mean, he's got 90 acceleration, 98 sprint speed. You can slap a guardian or, or a sentinel or probably an anchor. That would give him 95, 99 sprint speed, 99 strength, 99 jumping, 94 interceptions. I mean, 99 standing tackle. Card looks really good for the money, man. So even on seven, Kim, he's still going to be good for you. So I, I can see him being a card that a lot of people slip into their squads. I, uh, I think he, he actually might slip into my squad, my weekend league squad this weekend. I need a special Bundesliga player between him and Mbappu. But I'm glad that uh, they gave us a second bite at that apple too. Because I think that that was one of the biggest regretted SBCs not being done, or he was either at, he was either an SBC or an objective at the beginning of the game. And it's an objective. He was okay. He's an objective. Yeah, I regretted not doing him for the longest time. So that's a great, great shout. I think he's going to be a force. And of course, yeah, to they- go back to what Hunter was saying, they're very important to emphasize to all the listeners when it comes to uh, chemistry styles, you must slap them on players. Don't apply them. Slap them. Slap them. Did I say slap? I thought I did. You did. Good. Yeah. Keeping it consistent. What about EFL yeah. though, Hunter? Do we miss anybody there? I think the answer is pretty obvious and everybody's gone with it. The the Norwich right mid, uh, what's his name? Buendia. Buendia. I, don't, like I just look day. at the stats. I don't care about the name. Unless Never mind the pronunciation of Buendia. I enjoyed the Norwich. Yeah. Canorich. Hmm. Oh, is that what I said or is that he said that one? Because I also get that one next up. Well, anybody going to try that tone? How do you say that? Uh, speaking of pronunciations, how do you say Tony or Tony? How do you say his last name? Tony. Tony. Okay. Oh, it is straightforward. The E silent was. He looks how like how a, else would you say it? Just out of interest. Tony. I don't know. Just like Henry. Tony. You know, like the Henry. We say Tony here, but it's it's T O N Y. Yeah. Right. I didn't know. I don't know what to do e. with that extra E. Too many E's. Get rid of I, it. I don't either. Be Italian. Be more Italian. I think we need more players like Jay, don't we? Really? <laughs> yeah, we do. Three letter names. Tim Krull. Why is he there? Why the hell is Tim Krull in my EFL team of the season? Oh, man. And I, why isn't Lee Burge there? Okay, Why I'll drop it. I'll move on. Sorry, yeah, move us on before we before we get really in the nitty gritty. Yeah, keeping in the spirit of team of the season, one thing that changed this year was the number of cards that we're going to get for team of the season. We had a pretty substantial reduction in the amount of cards they're going to give us. Wise, we were talking about that during the week. Tell us about it. Why do you think they did it, and what do you think the fallout's going to be going forward? Yeah, so for some context for the listeners, over the past two or three FIFA cycles, EA have steadily declined the amount, or reduced, not declined, reduced the amount of team of the season cards they release in a promo for a given league. It used to be 23 a couple years ago, or maybe even last year, they made a 20. And then this year, it's only 15 items so far per team. I hope they change that for the big leagues. I, I think that'd be a big miss on their part if they didn't as well to continue to get engagement. But now we only have 15 special items per league. And I, I do, we, and we've had our round table. I think it is absolutely a less players in packs, meaning that people have to spend more on packs to possibly get these players less frequency. So there's definitely a, a casino aspect. We've talked about keeping that theme for a while. There's a casino aspect to it. But I, I I really think that it has way more cons than pros because you hear a couple like Steve and I griped a little bit about a couple players that missed out. When they originally announced the community team of the season, 
I was bummed because I didn't see Kiesa there, who would have been included shoe in for 20. So I don't, I'm not happy with the change that they're doing. And I think it does have some other impacts, but gut takes from, from the rest of the panel before I move on to that. How do we feel about do you think it? Do you think it could possibly pave the way for there being more objectives cards dropping during the week? Putting on my optimistic cap as a FIFA player, which doesn't come on often. Absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would yeah. like that. I, I, think, I think that so. would be excellent because that keeps engagement strong being able to play for these players and that Nick Powell is a great example. That's a good card that I'll consider doing squad battles for, even though I've never played squad battles, but if they give us a couple, uh, like one or two more, that's excellent. I think we're going to need that as a community. There's going to be a, I think also something team of the season's excellent. You know, everybody's getting back on the servers. So they might be a little sluggish just keeping that out. I mean, we were looking at trying to find these stats on a lot of the websites. We saw the traffic was really high. So in this hype, though, I, I want to remind the listeners that volatility is good for the market and good for making coins, but at the same time to avoid a couple pitfalls that I think will be even more exacerbated by the fact that we have less team of the season players in packs. What people like to do is they like to buy these cards as SBC fodder because if listeners going forward, a lot of these SBCs will allow you to submit team of the seasons as well as informs. So it kind of gives us an extra route for the specialties because a lot of these packs are getting opened and there's really cheap team of the season cards like that 85J Matt mentioned earlier. A trend that we saw last year that'll cause a lot of people to lose a lot of coins was don't go gangbusters right away on investing in fodder. And we saw that leading up to this this week, fodder is absolutely tanked. So it could be a good time to look to invest. That being said, you have to know the payout schedule that you might not get paid out for at least a couple more weeks until this hype's died down because next week we're going to get a really popular league with even more options that people might think are shitty and a lot of golds flooding the market. So there's going to be a lot of supply over the next couple of weeks. So just don't go crazy now expecting to make it all back by the middle of next week. So that's just a little market caveat. What's it going to take for fodder to rise? Otherwise? I think that if we were just talking about increase in increase in objective SB or objective players. I got a little ahead of myself there in that sentence. I think if we see a uptick in desirable SBCs that are not only for team of the season, but also maybe for flashbacks. And if they really start pulling in a lot of strong content going forward, that's where we'll see some demand to rinse these items and a little bit more willingness to pay. But EA have done a really good job over the past month of already doing that with a lot of these showdowns, a lot of these other one-off SBCs that they've rinsed a lot of coins off the market, but you're gonna have to give people a couple more weekend leagues to make their coins back. Yep. So speaking of engagement, we all know that that's a metric that EA likes to use to value their title. If you listen to the quarterly conference calls, they're always talking about user engagement, user engagement. This is often the time of year when people get burnt out. They stop playing. I mean, I know personally, I haven't played near as much as I have in the previous months, and it's even harder for me to find a match these days in every single mode that I'm playing in. Matt, what do you think is causing burnout? And do you think that they're running team of the season too late in the cycle? Yeah, I I would say that that reflects my opinions. is a shame that we get to sort of celebrate so many of these leagues that we generally don't pick our players out off the squad building so late in the game cycle and EA expects us to throw a lot of money at this because it's exciting, there's loads of content, that, all that stuff's good, no complaints whatsoever. It's just that you have so little time to enjoy it before this game is over and you effectively have to throw it in the bin, get ready to start again for FIFA 22. My remedy for that would be to, instead of mirror the football season in terms of how FIFA has released that they should do it annually 
iterative, maybe they should release it actually closer to Christmas and then run um, run it January to December, effectively. So team of the season then would land right in the middle of the game and you get six months to, to enjoy everything. You get team of the year right away essentially, so something to, to go crazy at relatively close to the start. And then halfway through, you get your team of the season and you've got six months effectively for, for either one of those to go ham on, open loads of packs, invest in whatever it is you want to do, just play with the cards and really get value for money for the content at the point now, because the content is good. You just get to use it for such a short period. As I, I've always found it very, very odd and I've never been as compelled to spend money on packs, for instance, during team of the season like I might have done in previous years for, for team of the year, because to me that represents more value for money, even though it's probably a lot harder to pack something meaningful than that promotion. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think, well, you guys can tell me what you think, but what do we think leads to burnout? It seems like every single year about this time, people just get tired of playing. Yeah, it's fatigue. And it's also frustration with how much time you're investing into it and not getting enough out of it. You know, the EA slot machine in terms of rewards for weekend league, exacerbated by the fact that team of the week this year has generally been completely terrible. I think there's like one or two weeks that are worth actually pursuing anything. So you get frustrated and annoyed with yourself for putting so much time in and getting nothing out of it. Unless, of course, you're just enjoying your 30 games a weekend league. And I don't think many people do if we're entirely honest with, with ourselves. Yeah. And as an example, I was watching um, Boris Legend play a little bit. I've actually watched him for a couple of weekends in a row, but this weekend, he's one of the most chilled out, placid streamers around, and which is why I enjoy watching. I don't like screamers, but that's not my cup of tea. And he was just having such a mental breakdown. You could tell he was hating every minute of it. It was just, I've got to play more games and all I want to do is just chill out at the weekend. And I think we've said it many times on this podcast and I'm sure lots of other people who do content around FIFA and Ultimate Team have said it as well. It's just like, now that we're coming out of lockdown, it would be nice for EA just to to let us loose from the weekend league trap. You know, let us enjoy the summer let us enjoy life getting back to normal and stop making us use our whole fucking weekend to play weekend league. Let's have it during the week instead where we can all just play a few games at a time and just chill out. And then at the weekend, do something else, run objectives, whatever it is, but let people get their competitive kick midweek because it fucking sucks. I, I really like that thought, actually, because of the fact that we've also we're also getting to the point where all of the pros that have you that we need the weekend league system for to weed out, you know, to, to get the qualifiers. I'm pretty sure those are all established now, in a sense. I, I, I've just yeah. thought about this as you brought it up. Those players have all met their rankings, gotten their points. And now they should open it up to be a little bit more flexible. Make it Friday through Monday. Make it, you know, even Friday through Tuesday, whatever you want to do to tell that. Yeah. To hit that spot on, Matt. I think that that's an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about in a while. I don't think you'd find many people who would disagree with it in the player base, to be quite honest with you. I think the only people who are reluctant to do that are EA themselves. Yeah. I know. I, I, they've, they mucked up that whole rivals thing anyways. And I mean, we're about to get a couple of really good promotions, hopefully, knock on wood in the summer heat with that people really enjoy that uh, would be enjoyed more if they were spread out over a longer period of time. 
is mucked up a common American phrase over there. Wise, I don't think I've heard that one oh. recently on uh, on any episodes of Chicago Fire or Chicago. I've started watching the Chicago franchise so that I can understand what you're saying a bit better. No, oh, nice. That's actually, yeah. I mean, they filmed that right by my high school. Actually, I used to one time my buddy and I were incredibly late to class because I carpooled with him and the Chicago Fire that that show, which is also confusing because it's the name of our football club here too they had all their rigs set up in all the parking spots for us and so we couldn't park so we had to park like three blocks away like five blocks away and double time it really mucked everything up it did it really did muck everything up that's a perfect use of it there you go snaps (laughs) snaps for steve (laughs) muck you okay moving on steve you mentioned earlier you want to do discuss squad battles don't put me to sleep well this is this is what i want to discuss really your your reaction to it sums it up quite perfectly Mm. I think there's a lot of snobbery around squad battles. I think that it's a far more valid game mode than it's actually given credit for. And I've spent quite a lot of time this week actually playing it for various reasons. I've needed to be sort of in a position where I can just chill out without sort of hunching forward and getting right up close to the screen. And you can do that with squad battles. You can just sort of kick back, relax and, and play the games. And if you approach it from a certain point of view, i.e. you approach it competitively, and by that I don't mean that you're chasing top 200 because you're never going to get that unless you're going to play co-op with another player. But if you approach it competitively from the point of view of, right, I'm going to try and get myself Elite 1 and I'm going to try and get it as quickly as, as I possibly can. So you're looking to get the 5-0 wins and you're also looking as well to to try and get the 10 corners, to get the 10 shots on goal, so on and so forth. Maximise possession, you know, maximise passing accuracy. It can actually be quite an entertaining game mode. And I mean, I think going back to the conversation we had with Ben from Foot Fanatic, it lends itself to more flexibility as well. So you can always pause, you know, you, you can get halfway through a game, decide you need to do something else for a while, take a break, come back to it. And really, the main reason, though, that I want to talk about it is because throughout Team of the Season, if you've got a little bit of spare time that you can put into FIFA, for not putting in a great amount of effort, you know, as I say, you can play in a really relaxed way. For not a lot of effort, you can get some great packs. I mean, for for Elite 1, you're going to be picking up two rare Mega Packs along with 30,000 coins. And those two rare Mega Packs over the next five weeks... You know, they could they could yield you some some really decent rewards. And when you do play at the higher levels, so if you're playing on legendary or ultimate, it's it's just not as dull and not as boring as people make out. I think it gets a really bad rap, and I think it's become fashionable to slate it. And I know that certain podcasts won't even discuss it. I know that I've tried to have discussions around squad battles before, and it's just been sort of shoo-shooed. And this is despite the fact that demographically, certainly a lot of older players play a lot of squad battles i think it's about time that squad battles actually got got some of the respect that it deserves because it's a popular game mode and it's actually not as bad as as people make out and it matt i think would be interesting this ben raised a really good point it may be a generational thing because we're of the generation really where when we played computer games i don't want to repeat this too much for people who heard that episode with ben but we're from a generation where sort of back in the day if we wanted to play a game we would be used to playing against the ai mm-hmm. you know the idea of actually playing online against somebody from uh, holland as i always play would be just wouldn't happen the only way you could play a two-player game is if your mate popped around from around the corner and you sat there with the two controllers in the same room so 
I think the squad battles is maybe something which appeals more to to our generation. But it, I, I certainly think that it gets a much worse rap than it deserves. Yeah, I was actually discussing that uh, with a, a friend of mine. He's actually in the Discord, Pat Riz. He was a really, really good Madden player back in his heyday. But he was talking about before we had all this online stuff, how we had online dynasties and you could roll wise. You probably know what I'm talking mm. about. But yeah. You roll these dynasties in and you can export your draft class from college and import it into your Madden Mm -hmm. franchise. And it was just a cycle. You could do it for 10, 20, 30 seasons and the recruiting and you bring those recruits into the NFL. And it's like, this is stuff that you did locally. You know, we did it in like college dorm rooms. It was weekends just dedicated to Madden and NCAA football. Like it's definitely a mentality thing. Yeah. I just, unfortunately though, to to talk about what Steve was saying, being a popular game mode, I'd like to see the numbers on it because- I really don't think it's that popular. Maybe early on when people are trying to generate coins and maximize rivals, weekend league and squad battles. But I would be interested to see how many people are actually playing squad battles now just for the entertainment, not doing objectives, if that makes sense. I feel like it could be the get back to it. So it's so it will not people who play squad battles. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be yeah. Leave us a five star review on iTunes and let us know if you play. (laughs) Let us know if you play uh, squad battles. I uh, I don't. I'm with you. Nicely done, wise. I, I think it's a. I think a lot of people right now, it's the first thing that gets axed when they don't want to continue to play FIFA. You know, do your silver stars every week. Maybe dabble on the weekend. Then you get to the squad battles. I think, and and that's really the the point of what I was saying is that, to be quite honest with you, I, I think a lot of people don't really understand exactly how it works. I don't think mm-hmm. people play it on the right skill settings. I think yep. if they did, they'd have to play fewer games to get. Better rewards. Quick plug for the uh, for the Foot Academy Patreon. There's actually a video in there at the moment explaining how you can get the maximum rewards for the minimum amount of effort from squad battles. We touched on this last week. I don't want to repeat it. You know, I mean, uh, stuff like the fact that when you play on Ultimate, every player, regardless of the rating, gets maxed out to 99. People don't know it. People don't know that it's actually easier to play some teams on Ultimate than it is to play them on Legendary. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just thought that, you know, with Team of the Season being here, everybody wants packs. It's, it's it's not the worst way in the world to generate a few packs. No, not at all. It really is the rub of it. Especially like Matt alluded to with we're on that precipice of getting out of our global lockdowns. People have some time during the week, a little bit more time at their disposal. You know, utilize that one last one last ride because of the fact that next year when we're having these conversations, hopefully a knock on wood, you know, we're not going to be having time to do our squad battles during the day while you're also taking a also taking a Zoom call or a conference call or whatever that may be. As if you do that, wise I hope your employers aren't listening to this. Oh yeah, no, Matt, you've been quiet on this one. Anything to add? He's playing yeah, squad battles. I've, I've been it's enjoying quiet. listening to you guys make uh, make good cases for it either way. I think from someone who's played through that period that Steve's describing where. You had to get your fun out of playing against the AI until you could eventually get hold of a friend and play in the same room. I get totally where he's coming from. If you go back to, let's say, Master League and Pro Evolution Soccer, I, I can remember spending hours and hours and on that. And it, it was reasonably good fun, but you were always looking for that competitive experience that it didn't really provide. You know, once you learn the patterns of play, they're easily defeatable. And, and Steve did a, a really good job of guiding us through how to beat squad battles last week in the Foot Academy as well. The problem it leads to is if if you 
become discontent as we did back in the early 2000s and in the 90s of playing the AI and then online suddenly exploded at the, the end of the sort of PS2 area or PS3, Xbox 360 area. There's no going back. If you, if you enjoy the competitive aspect, you can't really go back to playing against the AI full time. It, it doesn't provide any satisfaction. But I think squad battles is a good fallback for people who are quite honestly not very good at playing competitive FIFA. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but if you consider how difficult it is to play rivals and weekend league at a meaningful level, there isn't much left for you other than squad battles. Uh, and that's its place, really. And I, I don't think many people who have any kind of genuine ability at the game would play it if there were no rewards there. It just wouldn't be very, very good fun. But it, it does no. pr- provide a service. It has its own niche and, and it should stay there. Right. You just play career mode. It's just very much more chilled out. I don't really think, although I can understand why you would, I, I don't think you really can compare it to Rivals and the online modes it's, it's very much it's, it's kind of self-contained isn't it really i think that ea shouldn't be afraid of doing this but to rework the reward system but lower the halves uh, amounts like the minutes per half to make those games a little yeah. bit more digestible and a quicker feel so you can get through and maybe offer them a, the opportunity to counterbalance that with more because right now we only have the you have four opponents at a time you could save them there's a little bit of complexity with that of course which is why you got to watch a video on the, the patreon but uh, yeah, I think if they lower and I and I think they almost c- could do this with objectives with our team this year, like lower the half minutes in these games because of the fact that that'll keep engagement for longer. I mean, you see it with uh, social media sites such as TikTok, shorter videos, longer engagements. You know, I'd like for EA to adopt. Yeah, that. I, f- I think that makes perfect sense. And you've just given me a, a very quick idea there. Why I was talking about a more digestible, you know, a short version of, of, of the gameplay. I don't know if they've ever done this in FIFA because generally I haven't played anything other than Ultimate Team in FIFA for well over 12 years now, whatever it happens to be. But in old Pro Evo or International Superstar Soccer games and the series that came before it, they used to have something called Scenario Mode, whereby you might get something like you, you start 2-0 down with five minutes left to go, you've got to score three goals in five minutes. A very rapid but challenging gameplay to get some sort of reward or recreate some sort of famous moment from a World Cup or Champions League final. The sort of stuff that EA, frankly, haven't taken very good advantage of in their license of, of Champions League. It's purely aesthetic at this point. There's, there's potential to do more with it, and I think that would be a more compelling single-player mode or even a uh, you know play-it-with-a-friend mode rather than like full-on competitive. I think that would be kind of cool. One of the things with squad battles is that if you play it at a level that's well below your ability, then you're going to get bored really quickly because you're going to knock out the five goals that you need within the first 20, 30 minutes and you're going to have 60 minutes of dead time where all you can focus on is, is getting the corners and the shots on target. The trick really is to find your correct level so that you can be challenged and stretched for as long as possible but at the same time you don't want to be losing games there is probably no worse feeling in the world than losing a game of squad battles it's very uh, true. Very true. Or, yeah. drawing. or drawing a game of squad battles yeah there the, oh. should be a special Samaritan's phone number for people who've, who've just lost a game of squad battles I think I really like Matt's suggestion about the scenario mode. It'd be, I don't know why the scenario would be like, imagine if Chubby Ronaldo was on the team when they played Germany in 2014. Instead, they're not going to try to lose seven, like try not to lose seven one, but you get like Chubby Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, yeah. there to bring that into the current context of a lot of sports games that again, yeah, he's got to be careful not to be complacent. I don't know if any of you guys have. Or friends that played MLB The Show. I know the UK blokes probably not big baseball fans. I'm going to try it out because it's just come on to Xbox Game Pass this week, so I'm definitely going to try that yeah. out, and that'll be the first 
baseball game I've played in okay. many, many years. Yeah, I know it's people big baseball fan. Go there Mitch. we go. There we go. Okay. Well, there this as much as the servers are ass, just like EA. Apparently, that's some my friends have told me. There is in their kind of foot they call it dynasty mode. They have a conquest where you do, you play the little scenarios and then there's like kind of like a risk board, which is getting into some complexities, but you incorporate that scenario into your options to play and you could then get the card. Like say you did like Matt's case, maybe it's Nick Powell, you know, tied to two Stoker playing God knows what, you know, God knows who they're playing Norwich and it's two, two, you have like two in-game minutes or and maybe only like five minutes of stoppage time to score a screamer or something, you know, to win. And then you get the Powell card afterwards. I don't know. I mean, that's a little too simple for a good card like that, but on that level. I think they do that in NBA games as well, but I think it's more because the seasons, obviously Major League Baseball and Basketball, there's a lot of games in a season. And if you want to play this sort of career mode, there's no way that you're going to play the full season through. So I think that's probably why they're incorporated into those games and not not perhaps so much for... Sorry, Matt, there was something you were going to say. Yeah, what I was going to say, that there's a good example here of a trick that EA have missed. Remember earlier on in the year when we got the free David Beckham card, which cool free gift, but they didn't really do much with it beyond that. Um, How that would fit into a scenario type mode is you remember, I think it was qualification for the 2006 World Cup, I want to say, where David Beckham had that last minute free kick to equalize against Greece. Oh my Lord. Everybody remembers where they were when that went in. (laughs) Sure. And that would be the perfect scenario mode to drop in with, David Beckham's free card, which everyone had access to. You take the free kit with Beckham and you have to score it, otherwise you fail. And that provides a good training exercise as well, because you know, most people aren't actually very good at free kicks. I've come to discover in this game. Yep, and it's something that's massively overlooked. So uh, that would have been awesome and a great way to combine it with the content as well, which uh, they didn't do enough with. I was going to ask you guys that. How do you feel about the, uh, the David Beckham risk versus reward and as far as how much money EA had to spend to get that item and promote it the way they did and then to give us the cards that they gave us? Do we feel like the card lived up to the hype that was around it? I wonder if it was probably a good case study. I, I'd say yes. I think it was a good investment. There was definitely a lot of social media click and impressions, if you will, and, and they got his license. Yeah, but as far as how entertaining was it as far as using the the cards and did he feel like the way you thought he would feel because i've tried several versions of beckham and he just he just isn't it i don't know what it is maybe it's his body type i don't know it just doesn't move he's, well for me he's a niche player for a game like Alton. it seems so specialist he's never going to appear in anybody's like competitive weekend league team who's a pro content maker or competitive gamer and i think that's where that fails yeah you get the profile of beckham but if you can actually do that with somebody who would be good enough in the game to really change people's gameplay experience. I think that's the winning ticket and they need to try and find one of those perhaps for next year's game. Mm. With with the free card that they gave us, I'm still waiting for the SBC Trippier card. I can't believe that they didn't throw out a Trippier card to give that green link to Beckham. It's just so difficult to use. I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get it in Team of the Season. Did we, get, did we not get like a what if Trippier? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like... Well, he, he's been had a problem with controversy though this year with the whole gambling ban that he had so that's kind of like you can't go near that unfortunately maybe they were going to do it but they couldn't do it I think that to Hunter's point it was fun and it's nice to see that there is maybe a capability of having players be at their old clubs a little bit but they missed out on utilizing him in game function to to Matt's point and to yours and to Steve's you know the scenario would be great but I mean prime moments uh, prime moments Beckham seems to be serviceable enough 
put him up top there with team of the season, Edouard, and put those balls into the box and just see him absolutely go to town. Maybe Jekko too, whatever you're feeling. If you're feeling spicy. Put your spicy balls in a box. You heard it here first. I could eat some spicy balls. Okay. Um, so we had a little bit of news this week with Super League. We talked about that on a special episode. We had Matt Aguilera come on and, and debate Steve, but we've had some developments since then. Literally the day after we published that podcast, the Super League fell apart as expected by many. And it, it really made the entire, I say the entire, the majority of the uh, European soccer world or football world just thrilled to see it. And um, was it the same day that it fell apart? We got announcements from UEFA that they were going to change the UCL format. It was close. They yeah, it was pretty close. They, they agreed it. They agreed it on the Friday. They rubber stamped it on the Monday, and everything fell apart for the Super League on the Tuesday. It's kind of funny the fact that a lot of people just didn't want this, and, and I think the main thing was is the exclusivity of it. Just it didn't create a fair playing field, and I get that. But what the UCL did was essentially create an environment to where anybody could get into the Champions League, but it's the same format as the Super League. They've they've changed it to a Swiss format. How many people know this? Because this all got blown through while everybody was talking about the the ESL and everybody's focus was over there while that was going on. UEFA were basically revolutionising the Champions League in a way that I think a lot of people still aren't aware of. So yeah, it's uh, going to be a Swiss league. Good on Gundogan for speaking out. Yeah, he's the only guy who's said anything about it. Right? This this is a little bit of uh, pull, they're trying to pull some wool over your eyes. Absolutely, there's those things where it's you create one bad situation that's so dramatic, so drastically bad that then you think, okay, well, people will be like, at least it's not as bad as that, and they come in and th- you see this throughout a lot of time in history too with people trying to get hoodwinked. But that's for a different podcast for me. I think it was one of those situations where UEFA saw this and said, we don't want to let this bad situation go to waste. Let's take advantage of it. I personally think they should do the format. They should go back, make it 64 teams, go back to how it used to be in the old days where one-offs, one-off, you could play two legs, but one-offs against each other, kind of like an NCAA March Madness bracket. God, the old the old days. I long for the actual old days where the, uh, the European Cup, as it was then, the Champions Cup, the European Cup was contested. Matt is probably the only one old enough to remember this here, actually. It was contested purely by the champions of each country. Yeah. If you didn't finish in first place, you didn't get in the competition. Yeah, yeah. And just to further provide a, a good example of what Steve's talking about there, you remember in 1999 when Manchester United won it under Alex Ferguson for the first time, they qualified as, well, they didn't win the league to qualify, put it that way. I can't remember if they were runners-up or a little bit further back than that, but under old rules, they wouldn't have even been in the competition that year and then they went on to win it. So it does make a little bit of a farce of it being the Champions League when it's the we're quite good league <laughs> in general. Yeah. To me, it's hypocritical of UEFA and for the fans who aren't speaking out against it or the creators or influencers who aren't speaking out against it, that's also hypocritical in my opinion. If you really want to impact change into the game, then then you should be united on one idea. To me, this is um, this is being hypocritical because you're supporting a, a system that is just like the one you just rioted, essentially, and I guess socially rioted, to throw out. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not for Super League. I'm not for Champions League. I just want to watch. But I understand the frustration, but it's just the difference in cultures. In the United States, we have a system that works for us. Right. We have states with major teams in each state. And a lot of those tax dollars that, that go from those clubs, or, or I guess you can call them teams um, or organizations, stay within the state. I don't think it's a bad system at all. I just don't think Europe is ready for that. Well, yeah, it doesn't work. I, yeah, I, I think it's completely relative. You know, it, there is, we have a franchise system that works. 
that a lot of people are blaming a lot of American owners for trying to instigate this Super League thing. Absolutely not going to be exclusive to Americans, you know, at this level of executive, but absolutely, you know, for sure. The franchise model, I don't think will work in Europe and it'll have a detrimental effect to the global football game. You know, I don't, I don't it's just because two apples, apples and oranges, apples and oranges. I still think it'll happen one day. I still think it's a case of when it happens rather than if. <sighs> I think the real winners in this whole situation is UEFA. And I, I'd be interested yeah, to see absolutely. if you guys disagree. But, no. uh, you know, we added four teams. So there they go. They're the good guys. They they opened the door to four more potential teams to come in and, quote, pursue their dream. Now, 100 more games is, is what that's going to provide with this new yeah. format. 100 more televised games. And that's what it's all about. And it's just getting that revenue stream going. I mean, they just took advantage of this situation. But I'm for it. I, I want to watch more games. I think that that I'm fine with that. Who, who loses as a result of more games? Not really anybody, right? Yep. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I enjoy capitalism. I think it's a system that works. That is just my opinion. But this is UEFA taking advantage and, and doing what's best for them. And it makes sense to me. But I can understand how it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, especially when it used to not be about money, when it used to not be televised. And, and we've had conversations about this. So it's there's going to be, have to be some some evolution going on on both sides of this before it all calms down, in my opinion. You can only watch so many games. I mean, again, this I don't want to turn this podcast into the memory lane episode but again matt will remember probably the the days where there was one televised game per week oh this was before it went over to sky it used to be uh the big match i think on on itv yeah or you had match of the day which is our sort of primary free-to-air football show here which shows highlights of all the premier league matches but it used to be literally one match of, of the week but when, when you had that that one match, I mean, I was at school, you know, I was a kid in those days. Hard to believe. You'd, you'd expect that I'd have been in my 40s or something, no doubt. I know. But- How was Aristotle? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a bugger for the bottle. But yeah, when you went to school the next day, everybody was talking about this one game, you know, because that was the highlight of every football fan's week, the, the one live match. And from a societal perspective it, it generated such a buzz hmm. well that was that was good because it made people go to more football matches and support the local teams because you weren't able that to see well. them in any other way but you know times have moved on I want to see more than one game a week I want to see you know, at least one game a day it loses its meaning I think you, you can only watch so many games of football and if if you're talking to another football fan if you're at work and you say to them did you see the uh, the Chelsea West Ham game fuck yeah we saw it chances are they're probably going to say no I was watching um, Man United against Southampton or what have you because you can only watch so many and it just I think it sort of creates that societal disconnect a bit I think I yearn for a day where we have a red zone type broadcast over here where I can just see everything that's going on in every game and I don't have to sit and watch 90 minutes of boredom if I get the wrong fixture I just get all the good shit but we'll never have it because the games don't kick off at the same time like they do in the NFL to, to bring this one to bring this one full circle in a sense totally get what Steve is advocating for in that respect and it's to me that lines up with what we talked about at the very beginning with EA reducing the amount of team of the season cards impacts in a sense and it's hilarious that they're doing that one way when realistically what the fan base is clamoring for is the opposite like Matt said in a sense I don't yeah. want just 15. And I have the capacity to want, I like, I, and I'll have the capacity to, I guess, spend, whether that be real money or my time, which has value on a game when you give me more, if you will. And I think that that's in the vein of that same argument where it's like, all right, hopefully EA is not like, we got to give them less. So that makes it more special. I, I think you have to find an equilibrium 
in both watching football in a week and giving us more team of the season items. Give us more team of the season items. Yeah. And give us more five star <laughs> reviews on iTunes, please. That was very smooth wise. Five star reviews on iTunes listing which Sunderland players should have been in the team of the season. Yeah. You can name at least five, one for all the stars. Okay. So now that we've gone past this, we're back to business as usual, right? Um, a lot of people are excited about it, but they want owners thrown out for whatever reason. We were talking about this during the week, Steve, with the, um, all the stuff going on back and forth. Huh. You mentioned the new system would be like baseball in the United States. Uh-huh. You would have set amount of major teams that would never leave, and you would have all the lesser teams as farm leagues, right? Yep. Going to take a hot take right here, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. The Premier League is already a farm league. Yeah, it is. A lot of the, the the days come and gone for a lot of the smaller lower league clubs. Um, the only way that they can compete really um, against the teams that have got more money and that can buy players is by loaning players in. Sunderland, a massive club at that level. Uh, their best player this season has been a loan player, Dion Sanderson. From a team that was in League One, I think, what, four or five years ago, though? Yeah, but I mean, the point remains. If you look at, if you look at any club sort of down there, I mean, they're not, you couldn't call them exactly farm clubs at this point, but it's, it's becoming more and more of a problem. And again, we're back to that word disconnect. It creates a massive disconnect between the, the local people, the community that, that goes to watch these clubs. I, there used to be a time where, you know, local players would play for local clubs. I can remember a guy called John McDermott who absolutely nobody will have heard of, but I think he's one of the last examples of a player who joined Grimsby Town. I think he was from Middlesbrough originally, but he joined Grimsby Town as as a youth player and played for them until he was about 35. And yeah, but you, you, as a fan, you can, you can sort of build up a, a relationship with that sort of thing. But now players are just turning up for three-month loan periods, moving on. It's, it's difficult to uh, difficult to form any kind of bond with that. It's just it's it's a massive problem. It's it's not going to go away. And the, really, the the irony of this and the, the the gross stupidity and the easy fix for this is that there has never been more money in football than there is at this point. F- football is awash with money, but it's being siphoned off to agents and football. You know the playing stuff. This is why massive clubs like Barcelona, Juventus. They're in debt. Despite all of this money that's going around, these clubs are in debt and they thought that their get-out-of-jail-free card was going to be this Super League. So, you know, that was really their motivation for doing it. And until we reach a point where players are just... I mean, they're paid far more than they... They're paid more than they could spend, I would think. You know, Mm. until we reach a point where, where it's just brought to a realistic level... I'm not in favour of a salary cap per se, but agents and players are taking far too much money out of the game, and that that is the rub of the problem. That's what needs to be fixed, and no league or anything like that is going to change it. It's, it's the fact that players and agents are having their, their pockets lined. Yeah, That's so the problem. In foot context, to translate that to foot context, let people borrow coins, EA. Let us rack up big debts and become the biggest clubs in the world. And if we win the weekend league, maybe, but it's okay because your game ends every 365 days anyways, or roughly around then. Let us let us rack it up. It's a model that's based on the American economy, isn't it? How, how much debt are you guys in at the moment? How many trillions? Just print more money. Try to come try to come collect on it. And that's, that's the answer to that one. <laughs> well, that's why it works. Come and take it. <laughs>
Yeah, my whole my whole point of this discussion was was basically to shine the light on the fact that we still have issues in football, and a lot of it revolves around, like Steve said, money. But although we differ on the reasons for money, I think players should be paid what they're worth. I think the players would agree. I think all of us. I mean, whether we're going to put it out there publicly or not, you all want to be paid for what you're worth, and to me, that's fair. The problem is, is we don't have a salary cap in it, and we also have too many teams, in my opinion. But when the top clubs, once they start spending a ridiculous amount of money on a player, no one's going to sign for these lesser clubs if they're a top prospect. What are they going to do? They're going to go to the top clubs, and that bar is going to be put higher and higher and higher until somebody steps in and says, you cannot spend more than this amount of money total per year on your, your payroll for your players. It still allows players to get paid more because teams will have to make a decision. Do we want to sign Lionel Messi for, I don't know, $500 million or whatever it may be. It spreads the talent much more, but also you've got to lower the amount of teams. I mean, there's too many teams in football, in my opinion, especially in the FA. Too many pro clubs in England for my liking, but I know Steve will disagree. I, I don't know how you can say that. Um, we won't go into it, but I, I disagree with you massively and fundamentally. This will um, be, be an excellent topic for a summer podcast when it's summer heat. We're chilling. We're cracking up with some beers. <laughs> Matt's outside. He's going to be lobster red. I'm going to be hungry. Oh, yeah. There it is. Well, I mean, talking about, so is this something that, you know, to use the analogy, EA, um, UEFA have, have kind of dipped their toes in that pond already, haven't they? The salary cap with the, sorry, not UEFA, FIFA, with the, the FIFA Fair Play. With the now scrapped FIFA Fair Play. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, it's just, it's an absolute bunch of nonsense. Um, well, I don't know about you lot, but I'm going to go drop five grand on uh, Team of the Season now, so fuck you all. Yes, thank you, Matt. We appreciate everybody joining us this week. We're all going to go empty our wallets on Team of the Season now and probably our retirement accounts. Hopefully we have enough to buy the title for next year in FIFA 22. Wise, where can they find you on Twitter? That is at WiseFIFA. I think I tweeted one time, but that's Wise with a Y. We're getting there. We're going to upscale these tweets. <laughs> Matt, where can they find you? I'm at Lando Matt with one T on the Twitter or Mets Gaming in the Discord. Say hello sometime. And Steve, where can they find you on Twitter? At the Foot Coach. Come and read my rants about the European Super League football in general. And I wish it was like it was in the 1920s. More like the 1720s. Mm. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back with you next week with more Team of the Season content. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Network. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. 
And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.